Welcome to Someone Else's Movie, the original podcast where an actor, writer, director, or nebulous industry figure gives a little love to a movie they didn't make. I'm Norm Wilner, I'm a programmer at TIFF now, and this is the other thing I do. My guest this week is Marissa Maltz, a filmmaker whose credits include the short film Odyssey and the television documentary Ingrid. She makes her feature directorial debut with The Unknown Country, a drama starring Lily Gladstone, whom you may remember from Kelly Reichardt's Certain Women, as a young woman driving from South Dakota to Texas after her grandmother's death, meeting strangers and family members along the way and hearing their stories. It's still playing theatrically in the U.S. and coming to VOD services next month. It's really good, and you should see it. Marissa picked Where is the Friends House, the 1987 drama that introduced Iranian director Abbas Kiarostami to the rest of the world. He'd been making films since the 70s, but with this simple observational tale about a little boy named Ahmad, played by Baba Kamadpour, who spends an afternoon trying to find the home of a classmate whose notebook he's picked up by mistake so the other boy won't be punished when he shows up without it tomorrow, this film becomes a journey through Iranian society. Delicate, insightful, filled with drama its little hero barely understands. It felt like a revelation when it made it to the West a few years later, and honestly, it still does. Which is sort of where Marissa picks it up. This is someone else's movie. Where to start? I love that movie. I love Kiarostami's movies. Um, That movie particularly, I love the simplicity of the story um, and the adventure that happens with such a simple task, you know, Um, and, you know, the journey of one that can happen in one day, um, the people that he encounters, um, his sense of morality, um, like to help um, his friend, you know, over everything else and whatever the adults are saying around him. There's a lot of things in that film that I really resonate with and to me it's a, it's a perfect um, it's a perfect film like that that moment that he takes the notebook and the music starts and he runs off on his journey um you know like that feeling of just like and it's and it's beginning where is he gonna go how is he gonna get there who is he gonna meet you know like um yeah that's does that answer your question it's a start yeah it's remarkable that this is the first time someone's chosen a Kiristami film in like 460 episodes. I I remember thinking, wait, I'm sure we've done Taste of Cherry. And then I looked it up and I realized that we've had, I think seven people have floated it, but it's never happened. Interesting. I I suspect it's just because Kiarostami's films are so small and spare that maybe people are afraid they won't be able to fill the time to talk about it. But it's the kind of thing that contains a whole universe. Like, as you say, just from the very first shot, there's, there's life, there's so much stuff happening and there's the potential for stuff in every single interaction and in every glance and gaze. I mean, just, it's. And every shot, there's, there's also like so much, like I also love movies like that, that show a particular time um, in the world and a particular space and a particular place, um, you know, that like, uh, it's shot really beautifully, but then every shot is also quite informative of like the, you know, the, the types of people that were living there, you know, and the, what they did every day, the laundry on the, you know, all those little tiny things that, um, that sort of build, uh, build and show that world. Um, yeah. So, you know, the, the beauty and the simplicity and the details is, what I love. But anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, please. It's, this is your episode. Um, <laughs> but that is like the thing that I love about Kirstami is that 
he always gives you the sense that you're not eavesdropping, but you're sort of accompanying the story. Um, when uh, I met him once, he came to Toronto for a, an exhibition of his photographs uh, of doors, which was a project he'd been doing for years and years and years, probably decades, I think. Uh, this would have been maybe two or the year before he died. And it was at the Aga Khan Museum here in Toronto, and it was this whole big gallery thing that they'd done, and there were actual practical doors here and there, but mostly they were photographs or projections in some cases on, on, a white, on white door-shaped screens. And they were all about the idea of invitation, the idea for him that a door is not, a, it's only there to wall off your home from the world, but it's not there to wall off the world from your home. You can open the door and let the world in. And so he just, was fascinated with the concept of it. And I realized while he's talking, it's like, of course, that's everything he does is about sharing the space with the people. You know, like people would dismiss his movie later as, oh, he just makes films where people drive around in cars. It's like, yeah, but why is that a bad thing? It's a car is a world, a car is an environment. And what struck me going back and revisiting this when the Coca Trilogy box came out from, uh, from Criterion a few years back, revisiting the first three films is just how open they are and how, how, I mean, part of it is the reality of shooting outdoors, which is cheap and easy and, and suits his aesthetic. But it's also situating us in a world that we previously, especially in the West, had not experienced. There was no Iranian cinema coming out um, in the late 80s that, or, or even, you know, for years after that, that wasn't uh, either him, like Kiristami or Makhmabaf, or like these, these neorealist curated experiences. Um, or state cinema, which just didn't make it out of the state. I mean, I think the other, you know, the, the thing that you brought up also that I really relate to is, you know, again, yeah, seeing a world that you're, that you haven't yet seen, um, you know, to sort of like also stamps, up, you know, it marks a period of time um, and a place in the world. And then also that idea that you're along for the journey like that you're that 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 idea of sharing that suddenly there is a there is a sense in watching those movies and what I also love with this particular one is that you you are on the journey with the character and there's something about that that is so special <laughs> um and to me even though those films are so quiet and you know they're so they feel so exciting <laughs> um which I think is so beautiful. I don't just like such a, yeah, to be able to pull that, to pull that off. Yeah. I've always wondered too, if it's something to do with having a child as your lead, because on some level, our brains don't believe that the kids are acting, yeah. you know, that you're, you're pulled in for the immediacy of it because well, what's going to happen? Is he okay? Is there, is there sandwiches? Are you like, is there, is there a craft service table nearby? Is this kid okay? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, you know, also there are a lot, I, my next film that I'm finishing now actually is with the child uh, actor who's in the unknown country um oh, yeah. and uh, uh I, I think it is though very hard to get like in in where's the friend's house those the kids are incredibly believable like there isn't even a there there i don't i don't think it's i don't think that's easy to do um oh, no. so I, you know and and they're not you know and maybe it's be you know I don't know very much about how he found everybody that was in his movies. Um, I should probably research that more, but like all of those non-actors, like all of the the community, those, all of those people, like those kids, 
they do feel real and the performances feel very real. And I think that that's something that, um, and I've been watching a lot of movies with kids lately and it's very hard to, to pull off actually. Um, it is. And, and this is too, this is the generation that wasn't yet comfortable in front of cameras the way that current generation is like having grown up with smartphones and everything else, um, which is this fascinating theory that I've been pulled into the idea of a generation that isn't self-conscious in the slightest and actually has to adopt a completely different personality, but doesn't struggle with it the way that our generation or my generation or the, or the kids before that used to do when they were play acting. Now it's just like you assume a persona to be on Instagram. So why not be an actor? It's, it's, it's kind of scary. Very strange. I actually think it makes them even like the, it, there's like an extra performance sort of feeling with kids now in a way, because it, it does feel like there's, it's hard to get back to something natural because of, all of the types of media that they are engaging with all the time and their sense of being hyper aware of what performance is. Mm -hmm. Very much so. And when you see kids who can do it naturalistically, it's, it feels like a, a rare gift and, really? and watching, you know, now, of course you, you imagine Baba Kamalpur is, is he'd have to be in his fifties or well, forties. Um, and it's just, impossible to believe that this child could have ever been an adult because he's he's got this perfect angelic face and his the challenges are met with curiosity rather than fear like this is a kid who's doing a good thing and it powers him through his his day but it okay. also gives the film that spirit there's no sense there I, I remember seeing it I, I i misremembered originally i thought i must have seen it in the early years of its release but it took five years to make it to tiff it didn't play here until 1992 uh, oh really? Yeah, which is when I must have seen it. Yeah. And um and I at the time I remember thinking I should be more nervous. Like I everything I've been told about Iran and the fundamentalism that's that's rife there and it's it's present. You can see the structure. But everyone is helpful and nobody like the, um he's trying to save a kid from a worse fate. Uh we've seen the negativity at the very beginning and then we just follow this child as he tries to do good. And the film it's contagious, right? Like he, he, he's never met with resistance. He's met with concern a few times from the adults around him, but, but everybody is on board with this. And the movie then just sort of becomes this cheerful thing. And then you gradually realize that's probably what life as a child feels like, right? Like you don't know your existence is, 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 um, is any different from anyone else's. You don't know that you're in, you're in an advantage position or a disadvantage. This is just how you exist. And for an adult to make a movie that puts us in that child's space. You really, it does do such an incredible job of really being with, of really being with him and feeling what he's feeling. Oh, yeah. um, because I do think it does also kind of operate on this level where like there is, it does very strongly feel like there's a children's world and there's an adult world in that film, you know? And like, no one's telling him to not do it but he's not, but he's in his own, he's in his own zone and he's in his own sort of, um, his journey, you know, like even with the, like the mother at the beginning and stuff, like the understanding for his like strong sense of what's right, um, is very much his own. And, you know, that is something that like, yeah. And in the film that I've been doing with being with these children, they're about uh, 11, 10, 11, like, their sense of morality at that age of like what they would do for a friend um, and what they, you know, like is very strong and not that we don't have that as adults, but it's very, it's very clear and simple to kids. 
Um, and, um, it's not met with any other sort of, um, it's not diluted in, in, in any way. And I feel like that's what you get, um, in where's the friend's house with them. Yeah. That's a really good way to put it. He, well, with adults, I mean, everything is, we have the same impulses, but then we immediately dilute them. Like we immediately realize, oh, well, I mean, if I leave the house now, there's all this other stuff to be dealt with. And and yeah, kids are straight lines. I mean, think about something like any, I mean, I'm thinking about weirdly enough, Stand By Me, which is which was right around the same time in the States, but is this sort of burnished, polished memento of the past where you could have been a kid who was that pure. And Kiristami is just saying, yeah, they're like that now. We just got older. The world, totally. the world yeah, got bigger. Yeah, because I think like in their, in their world, you know, he's like, okay, like my friend was about to, like he's going to get expelled if he doesn't do his homework. Like I need to get this book back to him so that he doesn't get expelled tomorrow. And that's my duty. And it's that simple. There isn't like, a, oh, well, you know, if I have this in 15 minutes or I have to go to, like there are all the other things that cloud our brains. Um, and and that simplistic beauty is what's so great in that film. And then just using that tool to have this sort of hero's journey along meeting all the people along the way. And of course, like I always love at the end, like, you know, the sort of like the end of that movie, just, you know, with him then doing the, he, he never got there, <laughs> you yeah. know, but he still like sort of like, it's not like all wrapped up with a perfect ribbon, but like, it's, you know, yeah, the structure of that film is is very much the types of movies that I always wanted to make. You know? it's a, yeah, it's an odyssey, right? It's an odyssey and a challenge to personal morality and all the other stuff that gets folded into these big, you know, what was it? Uh, the, your only two narratives, right? Like someone, a stranger comes to town or someone sets off on a journey. And if you look at it from the other side, that's the same story. There really only is the one. It just depends yeah. on where you're standing. Um, and to have that be an eight-year-old, uh, I think, or a six-year-old, is it's just everything is bigger, like literally bigger. You The, the distance is longer because he has little legs. And, and the, the understanding <laughs> of that and, and how, you know, at the very end, and we can, I mean, obviously we can spoil a 36-year-old movie, but... Um, <laughs> the, I was, I'm sorry, but... No, the fact that he is faced with futility... Uh, which yeah. is where most movies would end to teach us a lesson in the audience um, about never trying is, uh, and then he refuses to, like he refuses that challenge. He simply goes and does it and, and as you say, finishes the homework and turns it in the next day and saves someone selflessly. Yeah. It's great, but I, I can yeah. see you getting <laughs> emotional. Great. Yeah, it's great. No, it just like, because it is, it is just the most beautiful, it, it's the most beautiful way to tie up that story. And then in, and then, you still got the whole journey of like all the people along the way and all the, and all the moments and all the, you know, and, uh, and yeah, I do love them. Yeah. And at the end of it, you, you know, you can sort of see the story being turned into an inspirational myth by people who don't fully understand it. Right. Like the idea that the, the end result is all that matters and that this, poor kid's suffering and exhaustion doesn't count because he ended up doing the right thing, but because we're with him and watching him earn it uh, yeah. and, and really struggle with concepts he barely understands, but has this unerring sense of what is the thing to like doing the right thing. Basically it's, it's almost thrilling, even though it's so <laughs> common. No, that's it. And that's why, you know, like I do, I, 
I genuinely do find it thrilling. <laughs> and and that's what's so funny because like, yeah, it is a very, it is a very simple, quiet film. But when he's on that journey and when he has, you know, this very impactful sense of duty and he will not stop. <laughs> that is, that is incredibly thrilling. And, you know, I was just like talking to my editor, uh, my post collaborator, Bonnero Tang, who edited the unknown country as well. And we were talking about our new film. And I was saying like, I could also just watch kids running <laughs> like for hours. Like there's a sense of like, it's so invigorating to watch kids <laughs> run on film. I don't know where they're running. It doesn't matter where they're running. There's just something about that that just feels very exciting. And, you know, the shots of the shots in where's my friend's house or where's the friend's house where he's running through, you know, you he, he's just placed in all these epic looking, you know, through the trees, up that hill, like through the towns. Um, yeah, I do just find all of that thrilling. <laughs> Watching him in those scenarios. Hey, it's Norm interrupting my own show to bring you up to speed on Shiny Things, my newsletter about physical media, culture, and the odd streaming project. I'm moving on Friday, so there might not be an edition this week, but when it does come out, it'll cover a few new releases, including Matt Johnson's Blackberry and Louis Leterrier's Fast X, which make for an interesting double bill. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at shiny-things.ghost.io or find a link at the Semcast Twitter account. You like reading about movies? I like writing about them. Come check it out. You can point a camera at a battlefield and capture drama or tell people that it's dramatic, but the idea that you can just... I mean, it's its not... This sounds so prosaic now, but it, like it's it's no less interesting to watch a person and especially when the filmmaker knows what he's doing and builds the world around them and and yeah Kiristami I remember like such a like a physical pain when I had heard he died because it was so sudden and so unexpected and he I met him the year before and he looked fine and it was just one of those things where it's like oh I immediately wanted to watch all those movies again. I don't always do that when somebody goes. It's sometimes it's too painful, sometimes it's too immediate. And I realized that it's it's like Bowie's music, right? You cannot watch this stuff and stay sad. Like you just get to reconnect with all the things that made you love the artist in the first place. Absolutely. And there is something that feels so invigorating about life watching his films. Um and um and I mean he he is the filmmaker that made me want to make movies because I was doing uh and I still do uh visual art and I was doing a lot of video art and um I took a class in college that was called avant-garde cinema and I didn't know what that was going to mean and it was watching I think it was Taste of Cherry first and I watched that and I was like oh like there are films <laughs> that are more like art <laughs> and, that, and that are more like based on you know these sorts of like emotions that you get from the images and their simple stories you know like not like that's just the first introduction I had had to not you know what you know studio sort of Hollywood movies that you would go to a theater to see um and I always return to his films to make me want to make films to, to continue to want to make films no yeah. matter how the last film I've 
I would have made is I'll always go back to his movies to make me, um, you know, and there's the whole on Criterion, there's the whole, um, there's a collection now that's uh, just childhood films of his um, that are fantastic. So you can go and watch, uh, um, you know, fantastic in my, a lot of people might fall asleep uh, watching them, but for me, they're fantastic. Um, uh, but yeah, they're all just childhood movies. So they're all like, they're also like little commercials that he made for, um, like toothpaste with kids or like or what was it not toothpaste a dentist or like bad teeth and um yeah or like there's uh there's this one ah, what's the name with this 14 year old boy that's about like just a kid kind of an adolescent kid walking around the city I forget the name anyways yeah, there was a documentary that he made around the same time a feature length talk that's on the Coca Trilogy box set and it's again, it's invaluable. He just he had such a curiosity and such an indulgence of of life. It never felt precious. It never feels forced. You're just you're just happy to walk alongside these kids. Totally, totally. And that is that is it too. Like feeling that curiosity, you know, for like the world and the people and sort of like a meditation, a deep meditation on life while you're watching the films. Um, in that, in that simplistic sort of structure, there's such a deep meditation on just the state of being um, it part of the world, I feel, in his movies. Um, you know, and then that curiosity for the world around you. Um, it's really the only other films I've watched that feel the same way are like my dad's VHS tapes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like they, there's a similarity of like my dad like used to, um, he passed away when I was in high school, but he always like took a VHS camera around with him everywhere and just would zoom in on flowers or like, you know, whatever. And like, there was just a curiosity that you felt in those. And I feel those from care. I feel that same feeling when I watched Karistani's movies. Sorry, oh. that was a tangent, but yeah. No, that's, that's yeah. lovely. There are no digressions. It's all, it's all relevant. Yeah. This actually does bring me to your own work because you do, you just, you're releasing a movie about people in cars, right? Like, I mean, this is, this is the thing that, he did that you do and and i want to talk about that as well um sure yeah i think you know i i do think i've always felt a deep love for his songs and definitely where's a friend's house and taste of cherry you know were in my mind when building um you know sort of like the the structure of the unknown country and how do you you know and harder to talk about my own films <laughs> but uh but that definitely was uh you know I think probably the best way to put it is like I don't watch a lot of stuff I watch the same stuff over and over again um and you know like his movies were are deeply ingrained in me and there's a few filmmakers whose movies are deeply ingrained and so it's not necessarily that when I'm building when I built the unknown country or the movie that I'm working on now that I'm thinking you know oh I want to they're, they've just become a part of me. And I think that that helps me then when I'm, you know, making my, making something like that in the country, it naturally kind of feels aligned in a way, if that makes sense. It does. It does. And also, I mean, I have to, I have to note that the fact that the unknown country takes place in the, in the post-Trump world, right? Like with it, with characters living through America's 
flirtation with fascism and fundamental, latest flirtation with fascism and fundamentalism, I should say, like that really does feel like it's in conversation with Kurosami's films from the 80s and early 90s, because that was yeah, going on in his background. Yeah, that is interesting. I hadn't put that together. That is interesting. This it is feels like to talk about this stuff. You learn new things about your own work. <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I, that's the service I offer. Yeah, <laughs> but it is like it's in the air, right? Like there is there is an unspoken tension that wouldn't have been present if you'd made the movie five years earlier, or even four, I suppose. Well, I wonder too. There's probably a similarity, you know, in thinking about that, which is why it's interesting to have these conversations. Um, is part of what inspired me to make the unknown country was the condition of what was happening was, was what was happening, you know, like, and sort of like driving through the country at that time and feeling these sort of, you know, conflicting. And we all remember what that time was. I don't need to, uh, you know, <laughs> I don't need to talk about it. Um, but, you know, and I wonder if there is some similarity in that, what was going on in Iran then, you know, and feeling sort of that tension as he went through the country. I wonder if that, uh, I, I'm not, I don't know how to exactly say what I'm trying to say, but like they could have inspired those sorts of same types of stories when you have these sorts of, you know, obviously what was happening in America was very different, but like artists do tend to get um, to pull from when there is, you know, so when there is, stuff happening around you that feels um that feels quite dark or difficult um in in your everyday life I, i'm not making sense no no i i, I know what you mean like, it's the air they're breathing right like it's the air the characters yeah. are breathing and it's, it's yeah. the zeitgeist yeah. of all of it and you can use lots of flowery terms but yes thank you that's what i was trying to say <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah so yeah so in a way that makes sense i just hadn't thought about that before yeah. Well, and I think that it's in both cases, in your film and in, in Kirstami's cinema, like his instinct and your instinct are the same, which is that you just need to show the humanity of all these people. And some of them might be confused about where they stand um, or what they stand for, but they're still like, there's no thuggery in his films or in yours. Like, that's not the world. That's, so <laughs> that's like the biggest compliment I've gotten about the unknown country. I'll take it. Oh, that's thank Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, But I I mean it. Like, it's not, these aren't movies about rage, right? They acknowledge it. They know it's there, but it's not where you choose to point the camera. It's not what you're about. Yeah. No, and I think that's just, you know, the specific lens, you know, that you decide to, you know, sort of, or not decide to, but that you look through as a human being. And um, which is why I like that compliment because it sounds like maybe we're looking through the same types of <laughs> lenses into the world. But I mean, I always love, like, I mean, as a person, I try to, I, I'm always trying to find the positive side and things. I think like, um, you know, after like losing family members when you're young and just like seeing a lot of, you know, when you go through stuff, sort of like the fight back with that is trying to find the hap or my personal fight back is like trying to find the happiness in things or like the bright side and things and how can you make the most of the day and how can you find you know what is beautiful to see in a person um even if there's other things that you don't you know like I, I'm always sort of trying to look at the world in that uh in, in in that capacity um and so I think within when in making the unknown country and in living through that time like I wanted to kind of find the 
the beauty in the places that people weren't expecting it, or you know the 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 humanity in the in in places that you know people were you know in these conflicting places in um you know during that during that time I'm yeah not doing a good job of discussing it. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you know what I'm saying and whoever's listening to this will <laughs> I think I think they'll get it and when they see the movie they will understand too okay and, perfect because uh, I'm yeah. not very <laughs> you're is, doing yeah. you're doing fine um no, but the other thing too, I was going to ask you just as a way out, because usually I ask if um, there's anything specific of the film that you've used or borrowed or referenced or stolen in your own career, but we kind of covered that with the with the aesthetic questions. I wanted to ask, like, was there ever a moment or has there been a moment where you're tempted to actually have the films? Like, you couldn't really do it in the unknown country, but I, I kind of want to see the movie playing on a TV somewhere, like just somewhere like to indicate that that you live in the world where these films exist and not in the same reality, but that they made it out into the world of your film. I, I don't know why, but I was sort of surprised that, you know, after watching this again, it's like, oh, wow, it feels like this could have been playing on somebody's television in the background. But then I realized nobody's streaming the Criterion channel in this movie. Yeah, I mean, that's what I was going to say. I love sort of like putting, I love finding those types of like, cause we actually do that with in the unknown country Another film I watched a lot was Paris, Texas. And uh, I was going to say Vendors, right? He's yeah. the other person that I, the, the other point of contact yeah. I was thinking of. And the Road Trilogy. And so we did secretly, like the whole kind of idea with that was, or it's not so secretly, but like uh, the opening sequence of Paris, Texas is in the specific part of Big Bend. And we got Lily to be in, to be walking through that part of Big Bend alone at the end of the unknown country. So like there were like some references I liked I like that sort of stuff, but yeah, with Karastami's work, there, there wasn't it. Yeah. It, in this specific context of the new country, I don't know where, it, you know, uh, but I do love being able to place those sort of like sneaky um, sort of homages to people that you love. Um, I don't really, yeah, I, I've, um, I've never really thought of it as like copying. I just think that like, yeah, like people you respect, so much and they've made such an influence that there are ways so yeah maybe next movie <laughs> yeah i think it was vendors he said he doesn't like the term easter eggs but he, he likes valentines yes <laughs> yes yeah that's that's a beautiful way to put it and that's definitely in the unknown country for him <laughs> for vendors so my thanks to marissa maltz whose new film the unknown country is now playing in the u.s and coming soon to digital everywhere in north america thanks also to sierra slaughter she knows what she did. Marissa's not on Twitter because, frankly, life is too short, but you can find Where is the Friend's House on Blu-ray and DVD in that exquisite Criterion Collection box set I mentioned, simply titled The Coca Trilogy. It's also streaming on the Criterion channel along with a lot of Kurostami's other stuff. You should definitely check that out. You can find me on Twitter for a little while longer, at least, at Norm Wilner, and you can find this podcast there at Semcast, S-E-M-Cast, and on the web at someoneelsesmovie.com. The first year of the show is still available for just 20 bucks at payhip.com slash semcast. That's the first 52 episodes of someone else's movie, 44 of which aren't currently available anywhere else. And check out my newsletter, Shiny Things, at shiny-things.ghost.io. I think you'll enjoy it. Our theme songs by the last year. If you like it or the show in general, please say so. Leave a review wherever you've been listening. Every little bit helps. It truly does. And check out the other shows on the Frequency Podcast Network while you're doing that. Stay safe. Watch movies. Wear a mask if you go out, get your booster when you can. I'll see you next week, unless a box falls on me.